Hey folks, if you've seen any of the great merch we have lately, we've got Witch Police shirts, we've got bags, we've got more gear on the way. That's all made by our friends at Divine Shirt Company. Whether it's screen printing or embroidery, heat press vinyl or graphic design, Divine Shirts is the place to go for your band merch. They've been doing some of the best stuff from the best bands in Winnipeg and beyond. And if you're looking to get some merch made, head over to divineshirtcompany.ca or follow them on Instagram and tell them which Police Radio sent you. Hip-hop artists from Winnipeg, Saskatoon, and beyond have banded together to form Saskatoon Folk Rap Records. The label features new and upcoming releases by the likes of The Gubshoe Strut, Epic, and Introducing the Ghost, the fantastic new record from Rob Crooks. You can find Introducing the Ghost as of October 6th on robcrooks.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Witch Police Radio. Uh, I'm I live on the internet now. I guess is uh, I keep I keep introducing these shows as if like people should expect me to be anywhere else but on Zoom. But you know because I used to do these interviews where I'd be at people's houses or jam spaces or whatever. But this is the, this is how it is now, and I guess I just have to uh, accept it and stop introducing the show as if I should be somewhere else. <laughs> so here I am, internet again, as always, and I'm here with two members of a band that has not been on the show before, which is cool because you know. I've been doing this for eight years now, which is a long time to do a podcast. And over the course of that, I've definitely been introduced to a lot of music that's new to me. But I've also had a lot of the same people coming back, you know, over and over again when they have new albums or, or you know, big things to talk about. So you're both new on the show. I think the best way to start this off is if you want to introduce yourselves and what you do in the band. And then we can just sort of get into talking to about what you guys are all about musically. Okay. Uh, well, my name is Emma Murphy and I'm... I guess the front woman of the bands. I do lead vocals and I do some guitar and piano here and there. Okay. And I write usually all the lyrics, but I, Shelley um, does some lyrics as well. Cool. So. I'm Shelley, and um, like Emma said, I, I sometimes I help out with the lyrics, but not not too much. Uh, maybe in a few songs here and there. And then I'm the bassist. I also play guitar in the band, and then. Um, Sometimes I do some vocals as well, just to back up Emma a okay. little bit. Okay. And yeah, that's about it for what I do. And who By the way, eight who, years is a long time. It really is. It really is. Yeah, I, I didn't expect it to last this long, but I do these twice a week now, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of going to do it forever at this point. I think I'm, I'm stuck in, and now I, I just do it almost out of habit. It's like, okay, who am I interviewing this week? And it just, it just turns out. So. That's yeah. That's awesome. You're just so used to it, eh? I think so. Yeah, it's like muscle memory at this point. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but. So uh, sick. Who, who are we missing here? Like, I know there's a couple other members of the band who aren't here today. So who else is in the group? Uh, we're missing our uh, guitarist, our main guitarist, Ian Tata, um, and then our drummer, Cody Kennard. Cool. Okay. So those two, yeah. So Cody's usually missing in things like this. Uh, <laughs> Ian sometimes shows up, but I, like I said, I don't know where he's at today. So are you two sort of the main spokespeople for the band at this point? or, or uh... Yeah, 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 we get everything done. Yeah. <laughs> Paperwork-wise and yeah, yeah. social media-wise and stuff like that. Yeah. Cool. Well, 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 when I was, you know, before we, we uh, did this call, I was, I was thinking about, you know, where I first heard of your band because uh, I, I, you're new to me, but I've definitely heard the name and I've seen you pop up on social media and I've, I, you know, I've seen clips of, of, you know, videos you posted on Instagram and stuff like that. And I think that you first came up like in my sort of uh, orbit uh, when I, every few months I post a thing on 
my social media saying like who should I have on the show what bands am I missing who have I not talked to yet who would people like to hear and you guys have come up a few times actually like from people whose opinions I really respect so I was like okay I should I should really look into this and so you were on my mental list of people to, to reach out to and then I didn't because I just had too much other stuff going on and then the House of Wonders thing happened and you know I've had I, I've done a whole episode about the label so I got the email saying hey do you want to talk to this band I was like oh yeah that band yes I do, <laughs> I do want to talk to them I, I remember <laughs> that they were on my mental list so I'm glad we can make this happen and uh, it's very cool that you're putting on a tape on that label because uh, you know they're doing really cool things so maybe that's a good place to kind of start um, talking about what it is you do because I feel like that label is new enough that it, it hasn't necessarily established uh, a specific sound but it also kind of has like there, there's definitely a vibe I get from the artists that work with that label. And I don't know if you feel that you kind of fit in well with that or, or, or how, how did that even get hooked up? Um, well, first of all, I just want to mention that I, I did see those posts. You'd be like, okay, who should I have next on the yeah. show? And I definitely did see a lot of people <laughs> type in Julian Star. Julian yeah. Star. And I was like, okay, he's going to reach out to us soon. <laughs> I was going to, I was going, I don't need to now though. You know, it's, it's, it's happening. Yeah. 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 yeah but, um, Emma, do you like, what vibe do you think, um, Wonders. I think we do fit into that vibe. Um, the other guy that's signed on the label right now, um, Amos the Kid. Yeah. Um, we're both. I feel like we are like all really laid back, really chill, like quirky um, people. And I think um, Emma, what do you think? Um, well, I mean, obviously every band has a story, but I thought it was really interesting how we had such an interesting story with being Kijiji based. Like we were. All I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then Amos, the kid, like, uh, he's really into, like, going in the forest. And so Adam would constantly be like, yeah, I'd have to, like, drag him into the studio. <laughs> and so I just think having that really, like, genuine uh, backstory is interesting. Uh, the only other people I think that are signed to the label is Virgo Rising. Right, I think right. they're signed. But um, so I'm not too sure about them yet. I, I haven't met them or anything. But we have hung out with Amos uh, at a few music gigs. Cool. and. Yeah, he's a genuine guy. Yeah, his record is really good, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, the Kijiji thing, I was going to bring it up later, but this is maybe a good segue into that. Like, I've actually heard of a lot of bands now doing things like that, where they're they're finding uh, members online. And, like, I haven't been in a band in over a decade. And when I first started playing in bands, that didn't ex- the, the internet didn't even exist, like, as we know <laughs> it now, right? So the idea of going in Kijiji to find band members is just so bizarre to me, but it obviously works. Like, a lot of people are, are doing it, and a lot of successful bands have done it. So... What I guess, what's the reason for using that as a way to find band members? Because my, you know, in my experience, again, I'm old and I do things differently, but like, it was just, you find people you know who play in other bands and you just sort of meet them and it's like, oh, hey, let's start this project. And that's just sort of how it happens, right? But what was kind of the, uh, the genesis of this group then? Uh, well, when I, ge- when I uh, first made the ads, I was just graduating high school. Okay, so okay. I really didn't know anybody in the music scene. So I think I took that Kijiji route because I didn't need them to be my age. Like I didn't have to make a band out of who's graduating sure. in my 2020 class. Sure. I wanted to get those more experienced players. So now, I mean, by by doing that Kijiji ad, I mean, Cody's like 27 and Chelly's what, 22, 23, and Ian's my age. So right. I think being able to reach like that older, older, older generation, <laughs> but like older ages, right? Like I wouldn't see in high school. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I didn't know anybody in the scene. So 
it's not like I'm like, oh, I know a few music buddies I could make a band. Like I had to, I had to just put myself out there right. and be like, hey, like I need to find brand new people, pretty much mm. that I've never met ever. And yeah, yeah. I, I, how quickly did that happen? I mean, did you have to go through like a whole bunch of auditions with people before you found <laughs> the, the, the the group that fit, or was it pretty instant? We went through a lot of people. Yeah. There was just there was a lot of different lineups, uh, and a lot of them, you know, they they left the band, but they were still really cool people. It was just like, oh, you live an hour and a half out of the city, we right? Can't right. Keep bussing with our guitars <laughs> to your house every week, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, like the convenience of that. So uh, some people were in our band for like an hour, <laughs> and then they weren't in it. Some people were in there for a few practices. Um, we definitely got a lot of messages from many different age groups and we wanted to keep it around 18 to 24 ish. Cause we wanted to be able to play bars, but right. we didn't want too old because I mean, I don't know, it would just be a strange dynamic, I guess. But Shelly, do you have anything to add? Uh, yeah. I was just going to add that um, a lot of it also was just the, um, how we mended with each other. For example, when Emma and I first met, um, I tell everyone this, Emma and I clicked like right off the okay. bat. We clicked on, you know, music, uh, uh, similar interests, and then just our personalities. Um, we like flowed really well. So she and I were the ones that actually, from all those uh, lineups, we, both of us then went and found Ian and Cody. Okay. okay. So it was both of us together, but, um, and then Ian, you know, flows with as well. Cody flows with as well. We all kind of just, it kind of just worked out uh, so well that we all became like really close knit cool. and we were all, uh, able to become friends, um, you know, first and then do the music stuff. So it really worked out um, well. But what the hell about it's nonsensical But we cannot just stop And my friends disappointed And my need for discussion
because I always worry about that with anything uh, like you know you're buying or advertising anything online. I just assume everyone's an axe murderer, and like <laughs> even you know even buying like a couch or something off Kijiji, I'm just terrified that they're gonna you know <laughs> I can end up dead. I need to you know make sure I leave at least five notes to family and friends about where I've been. Right. So did you get any? I mean, not murderers, obviously, but. Well, Sam, you actually did a perfect segue into okay. where our band name originated. Okay, okay, from. good, good. I was going to ask about that too, yeah. So, okay, so it was this one day where Chelly, me, and this other guy were in the band. So a guy wasn't in our, like, lineup now. Yeah. We, we were in the band with someone else before. So we were still looking for a drummer at this time. And this is probably back in like March of 2019 or so. And um, we had received these two responses from two different drummers on Kijiji. And they didn't really have that much information on each person's account, except that one person had uh, their age set as like 21 or so, I think. Right, Shelly? Yeah. And then the other one, did it not have an age? Yeah. It didn't have an age. So we were like, well, no, like this person who doesn't have any info, like, no, possible serial killer. So we texted this um, 21, 22 year old guy. And we're like, hey, like, are you like, do you live around here? Like, you could come by and meet us. Like, I I think we were just a bit too uh, laid back with meeting people because like I would go meet people by myself, too, without knowing anything about these people. and so anyways, uh, we're, this guy's like, oh, yeah, like, I'm right nearby you. And we're like, oh. So, so we go outside of our guitarist's apartment at the time, and we're looking around for him, and we're calling his name, and his name is Julian. Okay. And we're like, Julian, Julian, and we're looking for this guy. And all of a sudden, this very, like, husky man, very tall, just approaches around the corner, and he's just holding a Telecaster guitar, like, no case. Like, no case, yeah. <laughs> He's just walking with the guitar and he's intimidating, right? Because like, I'm just like, what? Like, I'm only like, I'm pretty young still. Like I was still in high school in right. grade 12. And, and we're just like, so confused because <laughs> this guy's like, obviously not 22 or he's not aged well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so we walk up to him and I'm like shaking his hand because I just assume everyone's really cool and stuff. And they're all like, why are you shaking his hand? Like, no, we have to. And this is really uncomfortable. And we invite him up to the apartment. That seems like a bad and- choice, like, right away. Shelly, <laughs> <laughs> do you want to continue it? Um, yeah, because every time we tell a story, you have to remember to be careful about how we talk about this person. Sure. Because he's still up there. Yeah. And I, we're sure he's a great guy, but he just didn't feel it fit into it. But anyway, we invited him up. And we kind of, we were talking, and it was a um, really awkward conversation. He was telling us about what he does. He sold Pokemon cards, okay. and he had two kids, and he had this huge, uh, he had this drum, or uh, jam space where he had his drums at home. And anyway, we, we, we didn't really like the conversation. We, it, it was, we knew it wasn't going to work. Yeah. So we were kind of just trying to, you know, end, end it all, wrap it up, and then, you know, let him leave. So then... Um, after he left, we were kind of just talking, we were laughing uh, with each other about how bad that was, how awkward it was. And then he, like he, he'd mentioned he had two kids and yeah. one was a girl. And, we and were one like, of them oh. was like my age. Like oh, wow. This man was like over 30 years old. I think he was 36 and his daughter was like 17. That's a so, young dad. <laughs> yeah, I was like, but it was like weird, right? Yeah, Cause yeah. like, yeah. So, okay, Jelly. And then, um, we were kind of just talking. We were like, oh, you know, it's too bad Julian's daughter doesn't play the drums or play the right, guitar or something right. like that. And um, that name kind of stood out to us. And 
and I don't know. We had lock it in, lock it in, lock it in. <laughs> we had horrible names uh, before the that, so yeah. The chairs, kinda, the chairs. Pick that one brutal. out. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, you, Julian's daughter. Have you heard from Julian at all since this? So, like, has this guy ever popped up on your radars again? <laughs> no. I mean, we could probably still contact him because we still have like his Kijiji right. like, conversation right. open. I never even thought about that until now. Like, but just reach out to see how he's doing. Yeah, yeah. He probably want money. <laughs> Tell him he found a drummer. Yeah. <laughs> he probably would. He wanted the uh, copyright or something on the name. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's a good way to get a name, I guess. Though, out of like some weird guy that <laughs> you met on the internet. Yeah, audition yeah, missed. An interesting story. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I, I guess, like, just to go back to that Kajiji thi- thing, what kind of meshed with the, with the group that you ended up putting together? I mean, were there sort of musical interests in common? Or, I know you mentioned earlier that you know you all kind of got along well as friends first, but in terms of the actual sound of the band, did you all sort of have similar record collections, or what was the the kind of key there? Um, I mean, we all have similar but not similar taste in music like for instance ian you know he's into metal and i'm not really into metal but i have an appreciation for his interest in metal and so we all we all um respected each other's music tastes and we wanted to acknowledge them all into what music we wanted to make you know we wanted to touch in with all of them um but as chili said like we just became friends off the bat and as Chelly always says in, in past interviews, like the people who stuck around were the people that were like most enthusiastic to be there and most comfortable. And, you know, when we went to meet people like at Polo Park um, to see if they would be in the band, like they were all so awkward. And I obviously understand why, yeah. but it was, but all of us, when we met, we weren't ever awkward. You know, it was just instant uh, comfort. And it was like, we knew each other, you know, it felt like I'd known Chelly for years and years cool. and years. And so, yeah. So, Shelly? Well, how long has this been a unit then? How long has it been since you had the the kind of lineup without the Julians in it? Um, well, two years? Two years? we were two years. Would it be? Wait. <laughs> well, Shelly was in another band at the time. Okay. And they were performing and stuff like that still. And so it was just Ian, Cody, and I. And then once his band, Arena's, kind of... Oh, I remember that band. Yeah, yeah cut out of it, uh, cut out of the scene, he was like, oh, well, like, yeah, I could try being a part of your band again. Cool, cool. And so, I mean, we only started gigging in January of this year. So I would say probably September, October of 2019, we really started, like, getting the music together, I think. Okay.
So you haven't had much time being a band before the pandemic started, I guess, right? I mean, like, I guess the a big chunk of that time that you've existed has been during this shit. <laughs> yeah, but but before COVID hit, it was so intense. Yeah. Like, it was like, show, show, show. We got into a summer festival. It obviously got cancelled. Sure. But, like, it, we were going to record our first EP in March after only a few months. Yeah, that's and pretty then, cool. And then it was, like, a week before... Um, a week before we went to the studio, the pandemic hit. So, but it honestly happened for the best because then the House of Wonder stuff happened, right? So, yeah. So how did that how did that come together? Like, did they approach you, or did, were you looking for a label for your stuff, or what what went on there? Um, we were just chilling, and uh, we just got a message uh, one day from House of Wonders from Adam yeah. at House of Wonders, and he told us he's heard about us and he'd love to try to work something out. Cool. And at the time, we we weren't really. What were we planning then, Emma? I think we were planning on going into UMFM or something like that. Yeah. To and we, then... I mean, I was out in Lockport at like okay. a, a Half Moon drive-in. And I, I get this message from House of Wonders. And I'm eating like a veggie dog. And it's like falling out of my mouth as I'm reading this message of this guy who, who loves our band and wants to potentially sign us and work with us. And yeah. what had actually happened was he had reached out, he had reached out weeks prior and the email had went to my junk folder. So like, I never saw it. And so like, thank God he, he followed up. Followed yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just remember calling Chelly and we were just freaking out. And I was like, Oh my God, like never in my wildest dreams did I think we'd be signed to a label within a year, a year of being an active band. Yeah. And cool. it was, it was especially crazy because I, I knew Adam from his band, Yes We Mystic. Yeah. And when I saw that it was the same guy, I, I, I like I flipped out. When we when we first had our we had our first Zoom call with Adam, I was like visibly like freaking out because it was, you know, the guy from Yes We Mystic yeah, the singer yeah. and I, yeah. it was it was amazing. It was amazing. Well I guess too you have the benefit of being in on this label when it's first starting out as well. So like you can kind of I mean, you're in on the ground floor, right? I mean, there's obviously, uh, I'm sure they'll be signing a lot more bands locally and otherwise in the future. And you are kind of like, you're there at the beginning to sort of help form the sound of what the label actually is going to be. So that, that's a cool place to be, I think. Right, right. Same here. So you're putting out a tape and that's not coming out till next year, early next year. Is that right? January. Yeah. January. Okay. So when was that actually recorded? Um, so one of the songs, the one, the Barb 217 one that was released a few weeks ago, that was done at House of Wonders okay. with Adam. But then the other five songs were done at Collector Studios, okay. which is another uh, place in Winnipeg. Um, wait, what was the question? When were they recorded? Oh. Um, That's informa- the information you just gave me is useful too, though. So. Oh, <laughs> I forgot. Um, I think it was August. Okay, okay. Yeah. August through September, it was kind of sporadic, but we got it all done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Shelly, I keep getting, like... No, it's cool, it's cool. Like, uh, how, I guess, how has this, this pandemic affected you in terms of being able to even do that? Because, you know, like, obviously everyone, everyone, everyone has been affected in some way or another. And a lot of bands I've talked to over the, you know, six, seven months of this have not even been able to see each other in person right they've been like they can't rehearse they can't record how how did you make that kind of stuff work well we've performed quite a bit honestly and and people are surprised to hear that but there was that hot minute in winnipeg where gigs were happening and yeah for like three weeks (laughs) in a short minute um i mean we started getting back together in 
when would you say Chelly? Like June? It was a few weeks after the um like the lo- the first lockdown happened. No, not not a few weeks after that. It was months. Like we probably got to get, got back together in June. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> the concept of time is crazy. No, it was definitely a few months. It was not a few weeks. Um we got we started doing practices probably in June and then and then uh we got offered to play Burning Couch Festival. Okay, cool, cool. Which was supposed to happen in July, but then it got postponed to August. And then early August was when the House of Wonder stuff started happening. Right. And then we played New Music Night for Manitoba Music in September, and then we played the Pyramid and there's one other gig, but I cannot remember. That's quite. That's a lot. That's more than most bands have played, I think, during that. that I know. Lock, that most bands haven't year. even gotten together at all. They haven't. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's cool that you be able to do that. I mean, I guess hopefully that means that when when things eventually get back to some kind of normal, you'll have had you know you'll you'll, you'll be more refined with your chops than everyone else <laughs> because everyone else has been sitting there in you know different houses playing by themselves, I guess, waiting waiting for a chance to to jam, right? Yeah. The funny thing is, uh, since we recorded, we haven't gotten together. Uh, since after we recorded everything, we haven't seen each other since then. We kind of just took a break because uh, there was that span of time where we, um, sh- like, uh, venues opened up again. And like Emma said, we had, like, three shows yeah. back to back to back during that short time. And then um, after that stopped, we then went to record. And then we were like, okay, we're going to take a break. And we haven't done anything since then. We well, just obviously. been calling and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Them. Staying in touch, I guess, right? And like, you, yeah, you got to keep some kind of contact, I guess, to to make yeah. it happen. Yeah. And so, like, we don't have to be together, really. You know, like if we write music, we just send each other stuff okay. with GarageBand, and then we write songs that way. You know, like with recording, we had to all be there. You know, but uh, yeah. yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense for sure. So I, I hate asking this question, and everyone hates answering it, but. Uh, if you have to define what type of music you play, what's the easiest kind of Coles Notes quick version you you tell people? Because and the reason it's a shitty question is because you know everyone's got this like subgenre of subgenre of subgenre, and everything's a post this or core that or whatever. And, and like it's pretty much impossible to just say we play this these days. But if someone you know that you run into for the first time in five years, oh hey, you're in a band. What kind of music do you play? Do you have an easy answer for that? I mean, we probably have different ones. You can go first, Shelly. Post this, core that. <laughs> post, post core indie rock. Right. No. Uh, we, we like to just say we're indie rock. Okay. Um, we've been called a lot of things. We've been called indie pop or something like that. Yeah, pop, yeah. pop rock, and Emma really hates that. But we like to just indie rock. Okay. That's it, yeah. I would say basement rock. Okay. I think, I think the basement word is just super important with our band, just because... Well, I mean, I'm sure lots of bands play in basements like I us, but, do, yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> or attics, I don't know. Right, but right. I just find like, you know, ever since we put like our basement demos out on Bandcamp and just how lo-fi basement-y it sounds. Mm-hmm. And I think just our aesthetic is just very, it almost like gives me that like high school vibe, if that makes sense. Okay. Like, a, like a high school band that gets together and plays all these like underground shows like that's how i've always pictured us even though some of us are like 27 and stuff like that but uh i don't know does that make sense yeah it sounds like, like almost the the diy punk rock aesthetic but you're not playing punk rock music yeah like it's it's pretty it's not it's not super produced you know like in our songs that we're putting out on this ep they're not 
so put together that it's like this perfect you know vocal track and perfect guitar track there's there's little mishaps in there there's pitchiness and whatever because yeah. i just find it's it's basement rock like it's it's rough it's raw it's not this polished sound and that's what i've always just identified it with but um do you again think, we could all view it differently do you think that people like do you think that's something that people grasp onto with your sound is that kind of uh genuineness of it where it's not overproduced and that those kind of you know small mistakes kind of do come through because i think that's that definitely is an appeal uh for a lot of a lot of music I, I like a lot of stuff like that too where it's not too perfect like when you can hear the kind of the cracks in it and it's like oh okay, cool this is these are real people <laughs> playing a real yeah. song and actually actually putting something into it rather than this is done 700 times in the studio and and, and perfected to the point where it's you know it's too clean right Right. Well, like, for instance, we have a song called Wellington, and it's not out yet. It's coming out in January with okay. the whole EP. But I, I listened back to some of these tracks, and I, was, I wasn't I was sure if I was experiencing, like, um, just a typical musician anxiety where you just overanalyze your work till, like, you find every fault within sure. it. But I would just listen to these tracks, and I'd be like, man, like, I could have done that so much better. You know, wow that was the worst vocal take I could have done that they used. But then the more I, the more I listened to it, I was like, it's, it's not perfect, but it has the emotion that I was trying to get across, you know, like this song Wellington, it's about, you know, having a conversation with someone and both of you aren't listening. And so the way I was singing it, it wasn't the best take I could have done, but it was the most raw and the most genuine if that made sense. So that's how I always trace it back to the basement because it's not this like, you know, okay, we're going to take the best take and that guitar was a bit too, there's too much feedback there. So not use that take. Like we just use it, you know? So I don't know what Chelly thinks about that, but that's how I've always, as my own part in the band, seen it all. Just just to try to um, go off of your question, uh, Sam, uh, I think people do, and, and, and I say this because we've gotten so many of the same uh, um, comparisons uh, th- uh, from our band. And um, I think, like, one comparison we get all the time is Bjork. Bjork. Okay. <laughs> and, like, it, I, I, we don't know why because we don't really know Bjork that well. Right. But everyone always compares to Bjork. So I think people get that. They, they get one kind of feeling from our sound. And... Um, you know, whatever that feeling is, we're not quite sure, but we think like we resonate like one type of genuine like feeling. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, as long as long as you're resonating something, right? That's what you want to do. That's that's kind of the goal, right? Is you want to have some kind of so something coming across to people that they that they can log into, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Brings it down, nothing to get out, nothing to get 
So you're putting on a tape. Uh, this is very exciting for me as an old person who never stopped listening to tapes. And I'm, I'm really happy to see this kind of renaissance happening of cassettes because, like, I still have my tapes from when I was a teenager, like, you know, in the 90s and stuff. And uh, I'm always happy to, to see local bands doing it. And it's happening more often. There's more tape labels and stuff. Was this a choice that you guys would have done if you hadn't worked with that label that's putting out tapes? Or did you want to put it in a cassette kind of from the get-go? That's a no. We wouldn't have. No, no. I think it was all Adam. Yeah, because yeah. he's he's really into putting out tapes, which is cool. He is, yes. and and one of our uh, members, Ian, is really into cassette collecting and stuff like that. And so obviously, we all had the appreciation for doing yeah. this with Adam. But I honestly didn't think that cassettes were very popular. Like I thought CDs were more popular. So when we first had the initial Zoom meeting with Adam about all this stuff, I was like, yeah, so how many CDs are we going to make? And he was like, CDs? <laughs> and I'm like, cassettes? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. what? And he's like, no, we're going to go with cassettes. And I was like, okay, like, I trust you. And if you think that there's an audience for this and stuff like that. And um, yeah, but we would not have done that if we wouldn't have been with a label for sure. Well, maybe this leads to another question then is um, because, you know, we're in a time right now where you can put out a cassette or you can put out an LP or you can put out a CD or you can go strictly digital. And there's like not any right or wrong way to release music. There's just so many different options. Right. So, I mean, what is kind of the way that that, that the two of you consume music? Because like I'm, I'm 38. I'm quite a bit older than you. And like I listen to tapes and CDs and records and it's all physical stuff. I never got into the Spotify and all those things. I barely know how they work. I don't want to know how they work. I'm stubborn and set in my ways. But I realize that that's not very realistic to assume everyone does that. Because I know, I mean, you know, most people I know don't have physical stuff anymore or have a very small amount or they're just doing vinyl or whatever. So what kind of is the, is the main way that, that the two of you listen to music and how has that sort of affected what you've wanted to do with this band? Because there's different, I think, um, benefits and drawbacks to, to every format, right? I think that we would say, like, mainly just because because of our generation yeah. uh, is, is non-physical stuff is Spotify is Apple music, you yeah. know, SoundCloud. And I think because of that, we've 
like from the get go, we were worried about, you know, um, what are we going to do on our spot Spotify? Are we going to have a canvas? Are we going to, you know, um, how many songs are we going to put out on our Spotify or Apple music? Spotify more than Apple music because sure. Spotify is better. I know you don't know much, but Spotify <laughs> is better than Apple music. Just keep that. All right. But um, yeah, that's, that's what we've been uh, mainly worried about. Um, the tapes and stuff, like we said, Ian, our guitarist, he collects like he collects collects cassette tapes right. all the time. So I'm sure he has. Um, and he's he's younger than me. He's Emma's age, right? Okay. Um, okay. I think he's he's about 18 or 19, and he collects those tapes. So I think he'll still find those people that'll you know want to take uh, collect the physical stuff, you know, yeah. CDs. That's why we kind of thought about making CDs, or you know, we were very okay with doing cassette tapes. So, um, but yeah, just, just my background, definitely. I, I like having, um, not having to carry around physical stuff. <laughs> right, right. So I, I like my access to Spotify and Apple Music. And, well, yeah. it sucks if you have to move. If you ever have to move with a large record collection, it's the worst. Exactly. Yeah. You got to pack up all that stuff. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not leaving like, this house ever because I have, it's all like shelves and shelves of this shit and I, I don't want to yeah. ever have to move it. So I, I get, I get the convenience of it for sure. Yeah. But it's definitely still always cool to have vinyl though, or, um, yeah vinyl especially like i i want to eventually be able to you know say yeah like I, I have a bunch of vinyl at home and i have a you know a player for it yeah but um so that stuff is definitely still like it's it's very retro it's very cool i i think from my point of view cool well for me like my dad he has hundreds of vinyl records and um so I guess they're my vinyl records like they're right we both went there so they're mine i guess i inherited them but uh I grew up with tons of CDs, like going to uh, HMV, which was now turned into Sunrise, Sunrise yeah. Records, just always. Like, even if I, yeah, like I have obviously have Spotify, you know, if I'm going to go running, I'm not going to have a CD deck or a cassette deck or something on attached to my waist. Um, but I'm sure bad. you do. I don't know. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like obviously for doing homework or going for walks, I use Spotify, but right. I, I've had tons of CDs and I would buy the CD of the album, the vinyl of the album. I never got into cassettes, but because I never had anything to play them. Right, it makes sense. Yeah. I, but definitely vinyl. I have lots of up, up-to-date vinyl of all my favorite bands. And then I have all my dad's uh, older stuff, which I have a huge appreciation for as well. So, But CDs, CDs were my main thing. So I was surprised that Adam was so... Um, confused about that because right. I thought CDs were more popular than cassettes. But well, I think CDs. I, I like. I have like fifteen hundred CDs. Like I, I still listen to CDs all the time. But I think that maybe they have a stigma in that like they they're not as convenient as as Spotify or any of that stuff. And they're also they don't have any kind of retro appeal at all. Like I think a lot of younger people. I may be wrong, but are getting into vinyl and even tapes because it's this thing they didn't grow up with. And it's like, oh, this is available now again. I want to kind of listen to music in that old sort of way but cds they were around for they kind of scrapped in favor of all the streaming stuff so it's like why would i want to see that that's that's what i think it probably is i'm not sure but uh yeah it's kind of i still like them but yeah cds are definitely uh not as as cool as tapes and vinyl it seems to be yes i I would definitely agree vinyl is probably the coolest thing as a as a 
as a if you want to be retro if you want to be hipster yeah you you get vinyl also it also helps to like i was thinking about this while emma was talking like if you're if you're you know a super fan of a band and you're like oh yeah i have all their stuff on spotify it's not it it, it doesn't sound as cool as oh yeah i have all their vinyl i have all their you know shirts all their cds yeah when i have i have like a bunch of signed vinyl and signed cds you know no one's gonna sign my spotify like that makes no sense right so (laughs) right right definitely cool to like frame frame the album sure. and stuff like that sure. and yeah i have a yeah. framed uh, album in my house from when i interviewed fred penner it's like one of his old records from when i was a kid oh, yeah. and it's like yeah, yeah. yeah fred penner album <laughs> you don't yeah. know who that is you don't know who that is <laughs> oh he's children's entertainer no. from like the 80s and yeah, yeah. anyway <laughs> very famous winnipeg children's entertainer who's been around for 50 years but yeah oh, cool yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no but, worries. No, no. I, the reason I like to ask that question is because, like I said, I've, I've had people on the show, uh, like from age, you know, eighteen to to seventy, right? And I mean, there's not a standard anymore. When I was growing up, there was either you're doing everyone was doing tapes, and then suddenly CDs came in as everyone's doing CDs, and then it slowly become this weird wild west where you can really choose. Even with streaming, there's like six or seven different options, right? So it's this really bizarre kind of world where no one is necessarily, first of all, listening to the same music because. I don't think the the mainstream music radio anyway is as prevalent as it used to be because everyone can do Spotify and they can kind of customize everything right for themselves. And then there's no sort of one format that everyone's doing. So it's, it's such a weird world to live in where you have access to everything, but you can't assume that the next person sitting next to you has, has kind of, you know, experienced music in the same way. Exactly. Right. So it's kind of like throwing a you know fishing out in the dark. You you yeah, you're just yeah. trying something like um, from band to band. You know, one band might focus on Spotify. One band might might focus on that vinyl. Totally. But I think personally, I think it's per- like the best to just try everything. You know, put everything out there because you'll reach someone like that. You know. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe just I mean, before we wrap this up, maybe that's a good a good question to lead into. Is is you know because of the internet, which is like really great for music in the sense that there's so much available and you can find anything you want from any era, but how do you make yourselves heard? I mean, there's, there's millions and millions of bands starting up every week. They're all trying to fight for the same, basically internet space, right? Everyone's put their stuff on Spotify. They got it on Bandcamp. They got it on YouTube, whatever. Like how do you kind of get yourselves out there in a world where everyone and their dog and some of those bands are terrible, (laughs) you know, but maybe they're good at marketing themselves. Like how do you, get yourself ahead above the rest in terms of getting your music heard well a huge a huge aspect of why we've been so well known i guess in winnipeg is just other bands in winnipeg like everyone supports each other right? yeah it's awesome and and i have um i've had past connections with some musicians that have become very popular like taylor jansen okay like we used to do open mics together when i was i was only 16 doing them at the handsome daughter and she was two or three years older than me so i I had that initial um interaction with her and so when she started following us then she would promote us and then you know everyone uh that she knows from toronto like begonia and everyone they would see us and like so it just it starts to like if you make good relationships with people and make good impressions and anyone you play a gig with, you know, we're, we're always opening for people, but, um, or if we're headlining, like you always want to have that good relationship, genuine, for sure. never be mean or dismissive to anyone. And then they pass you on and you pass them on. And it's all this like supporting local people. And then hopefully you get out of being local. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Blow up somewhere. 
Well, I'm glad to hear that the. I mean, I, I've heard this a lot, but you know, because like I said, it's, it's been a long time since I played in bands. But you know, when I started playing in bands when I was a teenager, and this is like back to the mid '90s, um, a lot of the people that I played in bands with then, or I played shows with their bands or whatever, they're still my friends now. Like you know, 20 years later, and I think that one of the best things about the local music scene is it was so inclusive and it was so welcoming. Whatever weird music someone was trying to do the other bands would be encouraging it and they'd be like they'd be buying your merch or they'd be like you know going to your shows even if they weren't playing and stuff like that and it's always it's always comforting to hear that that's still the case in Winnipeg because I think that I don't know if every city has that I don't know if everyone has the kind of really tight-knit music scene that we do and it's so tight-knit that it's often incestuous where everyone's in each other's bands and you know it, people are trading members constantly but I think that just strengthens it right and it makes it's it's like this weird welcoming little circle of people and once you're in you're kind of in and, uh, yeah, I'm glad to hear it's still going that way. Yeah, exactly. it's, def- it's definitely cool to be in a band and then go and see other bands because it's like, oh, there's Julian's Daughter. Right. And, like, oh, there's House Panther. And right, there's yeah, Amy's yeah. Kid. Like, it's because Winnipeg's so small. Like, you all run into each other at gigs, like, before COVID and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like you just see each other and you know that you love each other and yeah. you bought their merch and they bought yours and you played a show with them. And Yeah, it's cool. Uh, it's, it's a cool. crazy family. It's a crazy Winnipeg family. Yeah, big city with small, big music scene, but like small music scene too. Everyone knows each other for sure. Yeah, it's very exactly. cool. So, uh, if people are hearing you for the first time on the show, or they want to check out your music, and, and you know they have seen you before or whatever, what's the best way for them to hear you and find out what you're up to? I mean, COVID's hopefully not going to last forever. Uh, podcasts kind of live on the internet forever, so someone could hear this six months from now, or even a year from now, or something, and hopefully you're playing shows again, right? So, what's the best option to track you down? Check us out on Instagram at Julian's Daughter, and then hopefully from our Instagram you'll get linked to the House of Wonders because that's what we have in our bio right now. Okay, our House of Wonders page, and then from our House of Wonder- Wonders page you can find everything. Um, you know, you can find our Instagram, our Facebook, our email if you want to shoot us an email. Cool. And then there's also a Spotify. link tree. Cool. Oh, why didn't I, I've been talking all this <laughs> stuff about Spotify and I don't mention it? It's all Spotify. good. Spotify, we're on Spotify. Yeah, at yeah. Julian's Daughter. Um, we'll have another single coming out really soon and then the EP in January. Cool. And did I miss anything? We're on SoundCloud. We're on YouTube. Look us up anywhere. You'll find, look us up on Google. You'll find us. Right, right. Definitely. We'll pop up. Or you'll find that Julian guy and his actual daughter. And then, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You'll find Julian's Facebook page. So right now though, like at the time we're recording this, uh, you have the one single out from the tape that's coming out. And what else do you have online? Is there any other stuff that people could find right now if they want to hear well, uh, so I I host a radio show at UMFM, oh, cool. like 101.5. So last November, we did a live session there. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah. So people actually, it's so strange. People have been reaching out to me or to the band saying like, oh my God, I like just saw your live session. It's like, what, why, like, what's all this like hype on our live session? Like no one saw it for months and months and months. Right. And now in the last few weeks, it's like, oh my God, saw your live session. It's like, what? People are home and they're bored. They're looking stuff I up. Guess. <laughs> exactly. But it, but it was really cool because it was the first time they could do like a 360 oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, degree room. So that was pretty cool because that was the first thing we ever did as a band. Like we had never performed live. We'd never recorded anything like that. So we have that. We filmed um, a live rendition of Barb 217 in my living room okay. quite a few months ago. And people have been checking that out. That's on YouTube. Cool. Um, and uh, I don't know if you know this, we, ha- we still have our SoundCloud up. Um, it has band all our... De- well, we have Bandcamp. I'm talking about our sound... Our Bandcamp doesn't have our demos on there. Our, our SoundCloud does, though. Okay. Our SoundCloud oh. still has our old demos okay. and stuff. So 
if anyone wants to check out our demos, that's the only place. I'm pretty sure that's the only place it's they're they're on our old demos. But yeah, everything else is on Bandcamp. Awesome. Um, well, Barb, and then we have the single coming out in December, and then EP in January. Cool, very cool. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we could do this, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing the EP. I'm glad it's coming out on tape, like I said. And House of Wonders is is doing cool stuff, so it's it's neat to see like you know where that label is going to because. Uh, Adam's obviously very passionate about what he's doing with the label, and uh, I think he has. Uh, I get the idea anyway that he has kind of a, a vision for where he wants that stuff to go in terms of the sound and everything too. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's cool to see that you're on board. 